two mid on for four. Jeffrey Bolt, 100-100, the place to get it here on his home ground at Hedrick. Got it! Got it! Well deserved, a magnificent delivery from Darren Goff. Must be very close to five. Got it! What a patch this is for Ryan Sidebottom. Could be a run out. I'm Richard Pirate and welcome to the Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Cricket Club uh, and today I've got Steve Patterson with me. I hear you've been on a bit of a lads golf trip this last week. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we did a lads annual golf trip. First one we've done, there was 12 of us, most of the lads from Yorkshire and then Jacqueline in, uh, Jazz Warner and Josh Shaw as well. So very fiercely contested golf tournament and sadly our team lost on the final day. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about it to be honest, that's why I brought it up. Lively was one of the captains and Pete Sim, our S&C, but you pretty much took over from Lively again, didn't you, as uh, as captain of the golf team um, and had a lot of, lot of you had a lot of chat on the WhatsApp group that I've heard. Yeah, well I organised the whole trip, so in that sense yeah I did take over a little bit, but Lively captained the team very poorly I might say, <laughs> but, but, sad, but sadly I did have a lot of chat before it and my golf game didn't back it up. Well, the two worst games ever on the Monday and Tuesday. So tell me, tell me if this is true or not. But apparently, on the seventh hole on the first day, the first round, that you said I could cry and I want to go home. Yes, that's correct. I played <laughs> se- well. I'd say we played seven holes. I'd finished one hole. I'd lost the ball on each of the other six. So I got I got one birdie and six no scores in the first seven holes. And at that point, I've had enough of the trip. To be fair. My group went off first on the Monday at Hillside, beautiful golf course, had the British Masters last year. And I was the first one to tee off and I hooked my ball over the train line out of bounds. So with 11 lads watching me, so it didn't really bode well for me and it never really got better. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's uh, it's actually made my week hearing about your golf patter because I know how much you rate yourself with it. So all the <laughs> other lads were exactly the same. You're right. Okay. Thank you, Rich. Should we get on to <laughs> right. more important stuff then? Okay, well, a um, bit of a women's cricket theme this week. So our guest today has played for England. She's played three Test matches, 42 One Day Internationals and 40 T20s. Uh, she's also played in the Women's Big Bash for Brisbane Heat and she's the Yorkshire Diamonds captain. So delighted to have you with us, Laws. Uh, Lauren Winfield. Hey, lads. Thanks for having me. How are you? Very good. Uh, first thing you'll notice about Lauren, who was born in York, is she's got an Aussie accent now. Where's this Aussie <laughs> accent come from, Loz? Oh, like you've mentioned, Rich, in the Big Bash, spending so much time over in Oz. It might reduce a little bit now because we can't get in the country for a little while. So I might get that Yorkshire accent back with a bit of luck. No, but you had um, quite an interesting winter, didn't you? Uh, I know you got married this winter um, and then did, you, you ended up uh, being stuck through COVID, uh, stuck in Australia for quite a while, wasn't you? Yeah, obviously we had the World Cup um, and then got married and then quite nicely got stuck in Australia for a few months. We didn't come back till June. So, yeah, I think I, I dodged a bit of a bullet there, really. Everyone was in severe lockdown here and it was it never really got that bad over in Australia. We could just still get out and about and stuff. So I think I did quite well to, to end up over there and, and, like you say, like get stuck over there. But speaking to some of the other girls, I was speaking to Crossy and the likes and their bowling tennis balls into into their garage doors and I could still train nearly as normal so I was pretty lucky really. Cool and uh, 
I don't know if a lot of people know, but you got married to Courtney Hill, who has played for Leeds Rhinos Women at Rugby League. She's the she's the Aussie, and that's where where you're getting your accent from. What what does she think of that accent now? Oh, she still sits. She still thinks it's it's pretty thick Yorkshire, and still takes the mick out of of some of the uh, the stronger words. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no. Nah, she, that's if you if you hear her speak. I was at the hairdressers the other day, and I said they all take the Mickey out of the Aussie accent or the the twang that I've got. Um, and she walked in and they said, "Oh, we know exactly what you're talking about now. It's not just an Aussie accent that she has. It's um it's a pretty thick kind of country yeah. accent. So there's no uh, there's no surprises. I've caught a little bit of it. Good. Yeah. So let's rewind a few years, Lauren, and go back to your getting into cricket in the first place. You grew up in York." I believe Stamford Bridge is still your home club. Talk to us about how you got into cricket in the first place. Oh, to be honest, I think I was like a lot of kids. Like, I just loved all all sport. I was never... Oh, I kind of... School was all right, but sport was always my thing. And I just... Like, I just grew up playing, going down to my local club, went down to Stamford, mucked in with the boys, saw you ripping it up uh, down at Stamford, Pato, walking down the sidelines. Well, Um, let's, let's stop it there. Like, come on. <laughs> I, know, I know he's he's hosting this show, but get come on. Pato's never yeah, he, he might well, I think she's he's, telling the truth, isn't she? Let's be honest. For across three of the games I watched. <laughs> yes. Two two for thirty off sixty. Yeah. Standard. <laughs> yeah, so I just played I just played with the boys really. That's all there was on offer at that stage. But it didn't bother me much to be fair. I I I loved it. Sanford were always really encouraging and the lads were great. So when I first kind of got to know you, obviously when I was playing at Stanford, uh, you must have been kind of 16, 17 by then. And you yeah, were playing yeah. for the men, you were playing for the men's team as well as obviously the age group stuff. Tell us what it was like as a young girl at the time playing cricket in men's cricket and what was the reaction like? What was it like with your teammates and, and opposition? Yeah, like my teammates were always brilliant. Like I said, the lads were always were always great. I actually like I captained a lot of the age group stuff. So a lot of the lads that I played men's cricket with I'd kind of grown up with since I was you know like 10 11 I love the banter to be fair like you always get treated a little bit differently being the only girl and the blokes would be oh come on we've got to get the girl out or I'd be you know copping loads of loads of short balls and and banter but I I love that really I love that kind of competitive side of it that they were out to get you a little bit and you had you had to kind of prove yourself but yeah like I I, I love that I think it kind of shapes your character a little bit um to you know to get stuck in and get into the contest and do you think that helped you kind of speed up your development as a cricketer obviously playing against men when you were 15 16 years of age yeah I think so like I think if you speak to a lot, like a, there's obviously a lot of girls teams nowadays, so that so girls wouldn't necessarily grow up playing men's or boys cricket. But I'd always encourage it. Like I said, it makes you thick-skinned. It makes you, you know, ha- you prove yourself and and kind of stand on your own two feet a little bit. But like I'd still massively encourage the girls to play men's cricket, to play boys cricket, and try and you know push your development on. And and you get you getting tested like you're playing probably a level above yourself, and that's no bad thing. You'd rather that than you know, kind of be the big fish in, in a little pond sort of thing. Yeah, you know, nowadays there's, there's, you know, girls teams all over, which is brilliant. But back then with no with no girls cricket, was it hard to get into the women's game? I think so. I think, you know, you, you obviously there's not as many shop floors to kind of be seen on as there are nowadays. I can't actually remember, like, I must have, I must have played like district cricket 
Um, and then like if you if you obviously if you shine at district cricket then you kind of go for Yorkshire trials as it was back then and get in that way and then once you're in the system you're kind of in the system but yeah like it's obviously it was obviously harder but then on on the flip side of that there was there was less girls playing so if you were half decent and you held your own you've every chance of being spotted and being spoken about because there wasn't that many girls in those leagues yeah and you, you you do a bit of coaching now, don't you, on, on the side as well? And the the opportunities for for young girls now is how it's changed over the last ten years is brilliant. So you know what 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 differences have you seen in the last ten years for opportunities for girls? Oh, it's massive. Like you would you wouldn't be too far away from a club with a girls section now. I think, like you say, like I just played with the boys and with the men because it's the only kind of option I had if I wanted to play. But I think. Nowadays, you've obviously got a lot of clubs. You've got things like we're on Sky, so the girls can visibly see that, you know, girls play cricket and it's a decent standard and it's a viable career path for them. Um, so, so much has changed in terms of like, you know, like I say about Pato taking two for and watching him down at Stanford. But my heroes growing up were the blokes because that was the only thing I could see. Whereas you'd hope now that the girls... Uh, their heroes are, you know, some of the England players that they get to see on, on TV and, and, you know, whether they come to Headingley to watch a game or whatever, but they can visibly see that, that girls play and it's a decent standard. And, and how, Lauren, has the Yorkshire setup changed, the Yorkshire women's setup changed in the time you've been involved? Now, obviously, you're, you're a fully professional paid women's cricketer. What was it like when you first got into that system and that setup? How has it in, improved since then? Oh, it's massively improved. I mean, some of the stuff that went on when I was a, a kid coming through the age groups, County Champs was basically um, a booze cruise for four days. We used to go down, I think we used to, I think it was like four or five days and you, that was like your season. So like you didn't play over weekend or whatever, you pretty much, your whole season was, you kind of went down for four or five days. It was like, I remember one year it was in Taunton, so you get on the fun bus head down and Sal was our captain at the time and she loved a beer and it was it was kind of like you were 16 17 18 and you that was you know you just kind of um they didn't take their cricket seriously so you were you didn't really want to take it seriously and be the odd one out but it was yeah like I say it was very much played for socials for banter and obviously now it's very different like you've got a structured program you've got people kind of taking their physical prep and their you know, their skills prep a lot more seriously. But like I say back then, it was just a bit of a fun fest. It was not really anything too serious. And I'd imagine the game becoming professional, women obviously becoming professional cricketers, I'd imagine in terms of, like you say, the preparation and, and the fitness, etc., the standard of the game must have improved massively over the, those few years. Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, I think the standards improved the last two years. I think it's kind of like the Super League improved it when that came in initially. Um, And then the last couple of years where the standard of Super League's gotten better. And then obviously the domestic competition coming in this year, I think it's kind of made a shift again the last last couple of years. I think it's almost like five years... I don't know, don't quote me, I probably got it wrong, like four or five years ago. Richie, you'll know, you were coach when the Super League first came in. It almost dangled in. Yeah. That's probably when the women's game kicked on when I uh, became head that coach. Was... Of... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I teed myself up for that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but it kind of dangled the carrot for players for the professionalism of the game, but it probably took a couple of years for them to actually go, oh, hang about, this is a really good opportunity, there's good money involved in the tournaments, etc. 
So we're probably only seeing the real shift the last couple of years. Yeah, I said, you know, that, that first year of the Super League, it's, you know, it was my first year as, as being a coach and retired the year before. So inexperienced, but I absolutely love that, in, you know, seeing women and girls improve their game quickly because they'd never been in a professional environment. So we put a, a structure together which mirrored what we would do probably with the men. But a lot of the girls had never been involved in anything like that before. There was a lot of tired bodies around, but the improvements. Yeah, I was going to say, saw, there was a lot of doms kicking around that year. Yeah, there were. But there was the improvements we saw in, what, I think it was five weeks, was it? Yeah. A five week tournament. They, they were massive. And uh, it's, it's still one of my favourite times as a coach so far. You know, seeing big improvements like that in players is, is what you coach for. It's just that exposure to that next level up. And, and like you say, if it's no genius intervention. If you get opportunity to work at something more often, you're going to get better, aren't you? And that's the thing is that for a lot of years, the women's programs, you just, you, you know, you're working or you're studying or whatever you, you're at school. The opportunity to train is so limited. So it's no surprise that the progress is so slow and steady. Yeah, and kicking on from the Super League then, Laws, um, you know, this year has been the, the first year of the regionalised women's competition, 50 over comp, which uh, you guys got to the final. Uh, just just lost in the final, but had a really good tournament. And with the 100 next year, there's some there's some massive opportunities in women's cricket now and some great, great competitions coming up. Yeah, massively. I mean, it was a shame, like, obviously, we fell at the, the final hurdle this year with the hey-ho competition but I think it just goes to show how good a competition it was because we were in the England bubble playing like internal fixtures against each other but we were forever like watching the games or being like oh you know I wish we could play and any other year you wouldn't be like in a bubble where you obviously can't be released to go and play etc but I think the standard was decent I think you know there's lots of good players because it's so much there's so fewer teams compared to county cricket it's almost condensed the standard and you know you've got you've got you had two contracted players, which now goes to five this winter. So uh, full time, and then everybody else, you know, there's this financial reward for playing those games. So it shows that it's shifting in the right direction. And to be honest, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of good players on our books, and I think it's, you know, it bodes well, and it's pretty exciting moving forward. Yeah, I, I I really liked that you know the England players got to play in it as well. So mm. you know, there's some good young Yorkshire girls, but then you add in. Yourself, Grunty, Nat Skiver who played. You know, it ups the standard, but young, you know, young girls who are up and coming playing with you guys makes such a difference. Yeah, and it's so good for you know, it's good for us to have a competition. I think it's no disrespect to county cricket from where it was, but the gap from international to county was like ridiculously big. Too big. Um, yeah, like huge. And it was you know, like you would, you would have rather played internal games for it, you know, within the England squad. But now that there's a decent comp, it was like, oh man, I wish I could play in it. Um, and that's what you want. You want a standard that if you're not playing for England or you haven't got an England series on, that you're absolutely chomping at the bit to play in because it's it's decent um, and you're still going to be pushed. Yeah, that that's my thing. Is like we've we've worked quite a bit together, Lauren, haven't we, over the last couple of years? And I always say, oh, you you can see you've, you've trained a lot. You just need to play now. And and for women's cricket, that there's these more and more opportunities that come in. That the more they play, the better they'll get. So you know, in the past, you might have played a game or a series and not been able to play for two months after that. But so these extra competitions that are coming, you know, it's going to improve the standard massively. I think. Yeah, and I think you look at someone like me who's not had a lot of game time for England in the past you know, year or so, it's like you get really good at carrying drinks and looking good in the nets, but you need to compete. And I think, you know, like 
Lisa's pretty big on this year's different because you're in these bio bubbles and you, you're trapped and you can't get out. But in few, you know, in years moving forward, that where it'll be like if, if we haven't got an ODI on the Saturday, well, you can go and play and then come back to us or whatever. So actually, our availability in these competitions will be a lot more. Yeah, Lauren, let's talk a bit about your England career to date. Obviously, you've played yeah. quite a lot of games now. I'd imagine one of the, the major highlights of that was the World Cup in 2017. But talk to us about your experiences of playing for England and what you've enjoyed the most about it. Yeah, I think it's hard to look past 2017. I think it's mental to actually think that we haven't played another ODI World Cup since then. Like it feels like a long time ago, but we actually we yeah. still hold it at the, at the minute. And obviously got a chance to defend that. But I think my, to be honest, my career has been a, a bit of a roller coaster. Like, you know, it's been very much up and down and everything in between. I think my highlights is is, is massively 2017. I think opening the batting for England, you know, what I kind of always wanted to do as a kid. And like, like I say, speaking to, like working with Rich is that's where I feel most comfortable. That's where, you know, I, I'm at my, I'm kind of in my happy place sort of thing. And that's what I want to get back to, really. And yeah, I think I think it's just one of the, it's one of those things where my form's been up and down, my featuring in the team's been been up and down. But I think, to be honest, the one thing that you know I am quite proud of is that I'm still here when there's lots of players that have kind of been and gone since that 2017 World Cup. So you're always you're always there and thereabouts. It's just getting back into that that best eleven for me now. Yeah, and like I've always said, Loz, you you need to be playing. Um, mm. It just feels as though you're, you're a bit, like you said, a bit stop-start. So you know you, you can't kick on if, if you're not playing. And regular cricket and the tournaments next year, the regional competition and and the hundred, make most of them, mm. and then you'll be back at the top of the top of the order in, in no time, I reckon. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I, I don't know if I was saying to you or PG or who it was, and I'd said to Lisa, you know, I've been in a lot of England squads, but the amount of balls I've faced for England in the last couple of years is probably less than a hundred. And uh, you know, along outside of that is we play a handful of games in the Super League, and that that's our season. That's kind of your your annual year, really. Yeah. So yeah, like for me, I just I kind of I, I know where I, I've kind of fluttered up and down the order and. I think because I'm I'm very team orientated and sometimes that almost hinders me in a way that I kind of get lost at trying to plug all these gaps um, and do all these things that are right for the team, but probably just lost what I want to be, who I want to be and like my identity within cricket a little bit in the process of that. I think I always say to you, like when I go away and then I come back to you, Rich, and it's like, oh, love, I don't know what I'm doing. I've lost yeah. the plot. I don't know what position <laughs> I want to bat. It's like we have to start from scratch every time. I know, but I think you just you do you just want to do what's right for the team and play whatever roles are needed. But sometimes you kind of get lost in the midst of all that and go, I want to, I enjoy batting at the top of the order. I want to bat at the top of the order, and almost being a little bit more. I don't know if selfish is the right word, but just focused in on that rather than trying to do everything. Yeah, definitely. And you are, you're such a clean striker of the ball that you know it's it suits you being at the top. So I'll put you on spot here, Loz. Five five years time, where's where where's Lauren Winfield going to be? Oh, I think I don't know. Five year five years time, but in two, like my goal at the minute is to be back at the top of the order to defend the World Cup, to kind of to be back where we won it. For me to be in the same position 
two years' time. And then five years' time, oh, who knows? Hopefully staying, still playing for England. But if not, then I'd be quite happy, you know, just like there's a there's an avenue to be a full-time cricketer for Yorkshire, then I'd be I'd be pretty happy seeing out the, the back end of my career doing that as well. Love it. Love that. Lauren, just looking back to the start of this year, obviously the World Cup in Australia, got to the semi-final, got knocked out in, in very difficult circumstances. And then I think it was about seven, eight days later, got married. Just talk us through that little period of time and what it was like for you with your emotions. Yeah, it was a crazy time, really. Like, obviously, the World Cup, we kind of, we were just building momentum. We didn't play that well at the start of the tournament in the in the tri-series. We were just kind of finding our feet into the tournament and started to play some good cricket. Um, obviously, got into the semi-finals and got washed out without a rain day. And it was literally, it was like we knew two days before we looked at the forecast and it was the end of the world. And we turned up and just watched that unfold, really, for, I don't know, four or five hours before they called it off. It's a funny old feeling, really, because... Oh, you know what it's like. Like if you play, if you play poorly and you think, oh, I should have done this and what if I'd done this and this, that and the other, you know, you think about the game differently, but without having a chance to kind of do anything and it's completely out of your control, <laughs> like as an athlete, that doesn't always sit well with us, not necessarily being in control of things, but it's a really odd, just quite sad feeling that it doesn't come around that often and to be honest, a bit of anger in terms of like, this is a World Cup, like you build you build years to prepare for it. You kind of ingrain the way you want to play over over a long period of time and to not have, you know, that rain day cover was just, I know, like you say, you almost had that real sense of anger and frustration of, you know, what yeah. the hell, like it's a global tournament and there's just no plan B. Absolutely, I agree. I think that you see the way the women's game's grown over the last, five to ten years and and where it is now for like you say a global tournament like that to lose out because you were lower placed in a group without having a a ring kind of uh reserve there sorry it's just absolute criminal really but obviously the the emotion of getting knocked out in those circumstances must have been horrendous but you fast forward a week and you're getting married in, in australia with all your friends and family close mm-hmm. how did that feel as a kind of to soften the blow i suppose of the world cup yeah, it was it was actually awesome. Like the week in that build up between like between the World Cup finishing and obviously the wedding. Like the wedding, you know, they all say, Oh, it's the best you know, it was the absolutely the best day of our lives. And I think but I think that whole week was just awesome because it helped us kind of get over it and we never like you you'll know Pat and Rich, you spend so much time together being cricketers, training, touring, playing. Like the yeah. time to just be on a beach, have a few drinks, you know, kick a footy around on the beach or what to go surfing and do other things together and just completely switch off, let your hair down. Like rarely happens. When we have that time, we're never with our teammates. So you just always see yourself in this kind of like professional setting. Um, and they're not that like, you know, like you go on holiday after a series or whatever. You don't go on holiday with your teammates. But it just helped us all just let our hair down, have a good time, and kind of get over the get over the day. And like I say, the wedding the wedding was awesome. Um, to have all the girls out there and to have people like travel to the other side of the earth for, for it was just was just wicked. And thankfully the rain stayed away. It was gonna it was forecast pretty pretty average, but we were we were lucky in um So Lauren, question I'd really like to know the answer to here. Obviously, Rich mentioned it earlier, your wife Courtney 
played in the Big Bash, was a successful cricketer in a own right. He's now captain of the Leeds Rhinos, won the Super League and is a coach for the Yorkshire Diamonds. Tell me, what's it like when you go home, you've had a bad day, you've dropped a catch, you've missed a strain, whatever you've done. What's it like having a wife who's played cricket to the same level as you? It, yeah, it's, it's different. Like I think especially now she's, she's obviously on the coaching staff. We kind of have to tell ourselves, right, no, ch- no cricket chat now, that's enough. Um, but yeah, it's, to be honest, when we were both playing, it was a bit full on. Like obviously when she was, she was still playing out in Oz and I was playing and it was like, geez, come on, we've got to find something else to talk about here. But rugby's probably helped that. And then it's just kind of like, like I say, it's, it's different now. She's on the staff and you can end up chatting about cricket for hours. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, I'm actually the one surprising me. But it's like, all right, enough cricket chat now. Like no chat after five o'clock. But she didn't try and coach you when you get home. You've had, you've had a bad day. You got out cheaply. Nah, could... If you if you've seen her batting, I don't think I could take batting tips from her. That's probably a good thing. If we were both bowlers, it'd be absolutely yeah. lock of heads. But seeing her batting, so I think I, I think I'll stick to my guns with my batting. <laughs> Fair enough. Definitely. And, and then going on to this summer, Lauren. Obviously, with all the COVID stuff going around, all the international cricket was played in these secure bio bubbles. Tell us what. What was your experience of that and what was it like? Uh, a little bit like prison, I'd imagine. Uh, no, it wasn't that bad. Um, it's different. Like for me, I get quite like I get quite consumed by cricket. So like I really need space on on tours and stuff to go and play golf or I don't know, just do something different, go for coffees and whatever. And obviously like that's all taken away from you. So it's really it's quite intense. But I think to be fair to the ECB, like they did a great job in terms of trying to give trying to entertain us with various other things with like you had the team room set up and and all that kind of thing we had like an outdoor movie night but I mean it's like it's not like anything you've ever done before you'll usually have like connection to your people or like you say you go out and play golf or you go and meet a mate for dinner or whatever but that's all kind of taken away but what I would say is it really brings you tight as a team I think because you have so many other things trying to juggle when you, well, just with life, but when you're on tour and you've got, I don't know, like whether you've got family traveling with you and you're going out for, for food with them or whatever, but you only really spend time together training and playing, whereas it kind of forced you to to be tight, to spend time together. So I think it was it was good in lots of ways for creating that real bond as a, as a team and as a squad, <laughs> albeit forced, but it was... Um, <laughs> It still does create that. And you, you have different conversations with your teammates and stuff rather than just, like you say, cricket chat because that gets boring. You have to find other things to talk about. If I just imagine, you know, if our Yorkshire team went into a bubble, like <laughs> Lyle and Pato would be arguing, like, oh, it'd be ridiculous. We'd be having a tip every day. Was, was, the, was there any arguments in the bubble? No, but I think towards the end, people are ready for, ready for out. I think yeah. it was kind of like, all right, I'm ready to, to go home. I'm ready to, to see, my, you know, like your friends and family and stuff. I don't think, to be honest, we're a pretty placid group and we're pretty good because the kind of the core of the team's been together a long time. We know when we've had enough of each other. So, and yeah. there's no qualms in being like, right, I'm locking myself in my room for, for tonight. You're all driving me insane. So we're pretty lucky in that sense. But people were ready for real world, I think. I don't think you would uh, manage uh, bubble life well, Pato, would you? No, I'd hate it. I struggle enough on a two-week pre-season tour. 
I, I don't like it. He's the grumpiest Why? man on, on pre-season tour. He's the grumpiest man you'll ever ever see. It's like Why, what well, does he hate so we've, much? Well, we've been inside. <laughs> we've been inside in an indoor centre for all winter. It's three degrees. It's freezing. He gets us out there and he mo- he hates the sun. He absolutely hates the sun. So he's crowded in the shade with like factor hundred on blisters. Like gr- grumpy <laughs> old man in corner. Well, first start, it's too hot for me. I feel like I'm going to faint every time I bowl. <laughs> and, and the other thing is a bit, a bit like your bio bubble. You can't get away from anybody. Like, yeah. There's nothing I can think of worse than spending my evenings every night with 25 other cricketers. You know what I mean? I yeah, love to spend yeah. time with them during the day, but then you want to get your own space, don't you? So, yeah, you yeah, do. I, I, do. I feel I a bit trapped that. on those. So, so I, I feel your pain a little bit. I wonder. I wonder if that's why you never got picked for England on the on the winter tours, Patter. Yeah, probably. Probably the only reason. <laughs> right, Lords. We've got uh, our usual quick fire questions. So just give us your first answer to these. Okay. So first one: earliest memory of cricket. Well, backyard with my brother bowling at me. Yeah, I had to back because he wanted to be the tall, fast bowler. Like it. What age was that? Oh, geez, that would have been four, five. Good. Uh, cricketing hero? Adam Gilchrist. Oh, a good one. Wow, I think that's good one. First, first one that said Gilchrist on it. Yeah. Profession, professional debut? Oh, my God. So, we'll, we'll go England debut. I absolutely don't know this. I'm so bad. Like... We banter about this all the time because Tammy's like queen of stats. June, you don't even remember your England debut? No. Oh, no. It was June against Pakistan. And this is the hilarious bit. It was at Louth Cricket Club and about six. But I can't remember what date it was. I'm not very good with stuff like that. It doesn't. What, what year? Oh, Jesus. I played. Oh, come on. 2013. Right, we'll give you that. Good guess. Yeah, summer 2013. I hope. I think Google it now if you want. Google it, Pato, while I carry on with these questions. I might know the answer to this one, Lords, but best game you've ever played in? Uh, yeah, 2017 World Cup final at Lords, yeah. packed house. Yeah, has to be. Right there. Has to be. Yeah. Right, uh, your favourite ground in the world to play at? Oh, my favourite ground is actually the Wacker in Perth. They're obviously not playing it as much there now, but I just think it's an awesome ground. It's a good size for women's cricket. But I think, yeah, I always love playing at the Wacker. Favourite ground in England would probably be, obviously I've got to say Headingley, but Chelmsford, always a lively Chelmsford. crowd there for us. They always they yeah, played there out. quite a lot with the England women, haven't you? Yeah. Right, next one. Uh, somebody to bat for your life. Heather Knight, 100%. She'd bat all day. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, messiest in the dressing room. Oh, to be honest, I'm Yourself. no angel with that. Yeah, I'm mm, pretty messy. I've seen your kit. Yeah, I'm quite OCD, but I'm really like, I'm really not bothered about my kit and it's usually everywhere. I used, I used to sit next to Marshy, who was very OCD, but she learned to accept my messy ways. Um, but Tammy Bowman as well. Tammy's just messy in all of life. Like if you go into a room on tour, you have to force the door open. There's stuff everywhere. Uh, who's the vainest cricket you've come across? Well, I feel like everyone will say me. I can't say anyone else. <laughs> Who else is saying? Oh, Danny Wyatt. Danny Wyatt, yeah. 100% Danny Wyatt. But I feel like a lot of people will say me for that. Yeah, I've heard a few people say that before. <laughs> Best celebration or party after a game or series? 2017 was a massive anticlimax because we all just stayed in our kit and we couldn't get in anywhere. 
Oh, where's the massive celebration or party? Probably when we play places like the Caribbean. It's always pretty lively over yeah. over there. Yeah. Great spot. Uh, three people, living or dead, to have dinner with. Oh, Will Smith. I love Will Smith. Oh, the Queen. Probably have to say the Queen. I like um, it. James Corden. Oh, good three. James very, Corden. very different than three, but good three. Yeah, eclectic mix there. Right, last one, Loz. Uh, pick your best six-a-side cricket team that you've played with. So remember that you've played with Steve Patterson at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> well, we're, not, we're not technically... So male, male and female. Male and female, your best cricket oh. team that you've played with. Okay. Um, well, I'll have to say Heather Knight, keeper in the good books. Probably going to have to say Healy. Lisa Healy, yeah. yeah. Oh, who else? I feel like he'd have a bit of a tantrum if I didn't name him. Johnny Bairstow from uh, regional cricket days. I think he would be right there. He would uh, yeah. he'd be bringing you up saying why I'm the best, best six. Yeah, that'd go down like a lead balloon. Catherine Brum. Yeah. Sophie Eccleston. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, probably, I have to say, Charlotte Edwards. Yeah, legend yeah, of the game. Yeah. Good six, yeah. that. Very good six. Right, Loz, we normally we only move on to the Adam Live nicknames now, but we'll let you off for that one. Is there any good nicknames that you've got from the Yorkshire dressing rooms, the Big Bash, the England dressing rooms over the over the last few years? Oh, what have we got? We call Brunty Baby Rhino because she just does everything like with a bit of grunt, yeah. fiery <laughs> like little rhino. That's been something <laughs> that we've called her the last couple of years. We actually. I hope she didn't listen to this. We called Healy symbols behind her back at Super League because the first couple of games she was at shocking in the gloves and she uh, she missed this one run out where literally she just had to gather it and take the stumps and somehow like didn't gather it and it popped out. Um, so Lev then was calling her symbols. Um, she will I'm not sure like that ever, if she finds out. Yeah. <laughs> she probably won't come back for the 100 now if she listens to this. <laughs> yeah, um, what else have we got? Oh, Anya, we call the hoof. The hoof. Because she's got, yeah, I don't know if it's a thing with you boys, but like the bowler's feet, bowler's yep. toes. And she's, sorry, oh, nice. hoof, but she's got the most feral feet you've ever seen. So we're like, they're like hooves. <laughs> a bit like patos. Yeah, right, they're not lovely. good. Jack Brooks. No, not. Jack Brooks is the worst feet. feet you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Oh, the bowler's the... struggle. Ugh. Is that why you got rid of him at Yorkshire? <laughs> Yeah, Terra <laughs> Yeah, Terra just, just before we, we let you go, Lauren, you look back, you've played a number of times for England, you're a World Cup winner, you've captained Yorkshire for a number of years now, you've got the 100 coming up next year. You, you said you want to play, obviously, a lot more cricket for England. Going, looking forward to next summer, assuming things go a little bit more back to normal. What are your hopes mm-hmm. for next summer and what would be a success for you? Yeah, I think for me, like I said, I need to play cricket, whether that's for Yorkshire or for England. I think if I play more cricket for Yorkshire, that will help me play more cricket for England. I think for us to go one better in the Hey Ho Trophy and to to win the 100 would be a good domestic summer. Um, And like I said, for me, I want to get back to the top of the order by the next World Cup. And to be honest, it's not, I've got another year to do that now. So I think it's probably a big couple of years for me. Like you probably, you know, Pato being a young man, but you can't, you've, you've, you get to a point where you've been around a long time, but you, um, you know, it's probably an important couple of years for me. 
in terms of being a senior player and I guess probably making you know getting myself back into to that England best 11 and if that doesn't happen then to really you know set, set it set it alight in the domestic stuff but yeah I think it's a big couple of years for me really like I've like I said, I've been around a long time um, I intend to be around a lot a lot longer but I think it's an important couple of years really. Yeah, and I think what you said there is, is quite accurate. I think sometimes you've got to take a step backwards to go forwards in a sense. And I think, like you say, if you want to cement that place at the top of the order in, for England, then perhaps coming back playing a little bit more domestic cricket mm. instead of being in the bubbles and carrying drinks occasionally and stuff like that, getting mm. some cricket behind you, getting some performances behind this so you can put your hand back up and say, look, I'm in the best form I've ever been in. You need to pick me again. That might be your way of getting to where you want to be perhaps. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of it now is you've got that opportunity, haven't you, to come back down and it's still a credible tournament that if, you, if you're if doing well in, you'll get noticed. So, yeah, that's pretty much the plan for me. I've kind of said, you know, look, I, I want to bat at the top of top of the order, whether that's opening or whatever, but I want to be up there. I don't, I don't see myself with a future at batting six and seven. I don't think that suits my best game. And, you know, that might limit my chances in the short term for England, but I think that's the long term, the right thing for for me and my career really thank you very much for joining us really appreciate your time been great to listen to your story and just probably wish you the very best of luck going forward hope you have a successful summer next year hope you have a good winter and uh, no doubt see you ahead of me plenty yeah Loz um, I'm going to look forward to, to look watching you get back to that top of that order and I reckon next year men's championship title and a women's Hayho Flint title. That's that's got to be the aim for us. That's and, the pack. and Lauren Winfield at the top of the order in England's ODIs again for me. The, uh, that'd be that'd be a good summer next year for us all. Yeah, hundred percent. Good to speak to you, Lars, and thanks for coming on. No worries, thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Covers Off podcast with myself, Richard Pirate, and Steve Patterson. Uh, thanks for listening. Whoever you'd like to hear on the pod, let us know. Just tweet me at Richard Pirate, and um, we'll see you next time. Yeah.